Welcome to the Retiring Real Estate Investor Podcast, where we will discuss how to defer taxes on the sale of your property, earning passive real estate income, and everything you need to know to go from active investor to passive investor. Join us as we interview passive investment sponsors, explore the journey of other retiring real estate investors, and share our due diligence process we perform to select passive investments. Investment advisory services provided by Insight Investment Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor. This podcast is only intended for clients and interested investors residing in the states in which we are registered to provide investment advisory services or exempt from registration. Please contact us to determine if the firm provides investment advisory services in the state where you reside. All content on this podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be considered investment advice. Material presented is believed to be reliable sources, and no representations are made by our firm as to another party's informational accuracy or completeness. Insight Investment Advisors LLC and its representatives do not provide tax or legal advice, and nothing herein should be construed as such. Always consult with your tax advisor or attorney regarding your specific circumstances. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Retiring Real Estate Investor Podcast. I am your host, Brandon Bruckman, and I'm happily joined today by Brett Browers, the Land Shark Guy. This is awesome. So quick on the introduction, Brett, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, Brandon, thanks for having me, man. So Brett, you are an investor and coach with a focus on buying and selling vacant land. I'm going to have a thousand questions for you about this. As I see in, in my geography, I can clearly see a path of progress and I get really interested in like, well, what would this look like? So we'll get into that in a second. But for our listeners, give them sort of a background of, you know, where's your experience? Where are you coming from? How did you end up with the focus on on the land? Yeah, let's go. All right. <laughs> there that's, it is. That's the victory bell. I'm just warming it up. Uh, there we but, go. Um, no, my name is Brent Bowers. Um, I, I live in South Florida. Um, I pretty much retired in real estate with with land investing. Um, I love the name Retiring Real Estate Investor Podcast. Uh, because that's what I wanted to do. I was looking for a way out of my military job. I was preparing for my third combat deployment. I'd already had one marriage fail on my first or my second deployment, and I didn't want history repeating itself. So I was like, okay, you know, I got to figure out a way to get out. I need to make about almost like five thousand dollars a month back in 2016. It wasn't that much now. Mm-hmm. Now that I'm thinking about it, but it was a lot back then. It might as well have been a million dollars a year. And I found a path that no one else was going, and that was land investing. And I'm from a very small town in, called Okeechobee, Florida. It's a cattle town, and that's our biggest producer of income. And I know one thing about the herd mentality. They all go for slaughter. you know. So I was trying to do something opposite. So I found land investing, um, jumped in both feet, made so many mistakes, uh, but ultimately turned into a passive income uh, that I could retire on. So here we are. <laughs> That's awesome. And you're doing and you're doing some of the you're doing some coaching now as well. So yeah. you're helping others along this path. Um, yeah. That's phenomenal to share that information. No, it's amazing because I I think I it's it's one of those things where it's almost the businesses are married. Um, when I started it back in 2018, the coaching is because I had time on my hands and I just enjoyed helping people. And I was I was felt like I was at co- having coffee five times a week, and I was like all energized up on caffeine, but you know, I was like buying the coffee and, you know, spending a lot of time and, I, and like the people I was coaching weren't really doing anything with it. And I was like, what the heck am I just, you know, wasting my time here? And I talked to a guy named Tom Kroll. He's one of my, my coaches. So coaches have coaches. Um, he started wholesaling ink and eventually I, I 
work started uh, working with wholesaling Inc. to be their land coach and um, I get to interview my students on the wholesaling Inc. podcast it's like a case study each week of what's working in land investing and how a single mother of four children Alana Cohen just did her seventh land deal but uh, I started mentoring people one-on-one and I took 16 people on uh, back in 2018 that was a little crazy I bit off more than I could chew and then I created a course around it step-by-step playbook um, now it's been re-recorded many a time since then uh, because I learned what's working for people the Q&A's and so we give them the playbook we support them along the way and I'm doing deals with other sharks Uh, there's guys that will fund our deals buy our deals deals together so uh, it turned into this amazing uh you know partnership between the coaching and in the uh actual land investing business it's great you're building it's almost like you're building a community you are building a community that's it that's right folks are doing it and it's much more fun when you're bringing folks along with you tell me about the the shiver you know what a shiver is does anybody (laughs) know what a shiver is like what a group of sharks like they're hanging out it's called it's called a shiver a group Ah. of sharks so to see this is there enough of them at the zoo that i can see a shiver probably not right I mean, <laughs> we need more right you need to get out in the wild and really really see this happening yeah so where the first deal start walk me through that Man. so you looked at all the options you said okay where everyone's going we're, i'm gonna get slaughtered but you landed landed on land no pun intended <laughs> what what pushed you there and where was the first the first deal that you did no thanks for asking that brandon i'll tell you i'll never forget that first land deal um, it was, uh, in Palmer Lake, Colorado. Uh, I had heard, so how did I find out about land? I heard a guy on a podcast talking about it. I was like, I have never heard anybody else talking about land before I've been searching. I was a voracious podcast listener. I was listening to the four hour work week. Like mm-hmm. I was just studying, like my car was my mobile university. I was changing my life. Like, you know, I had to get out of this little rat race that I was in. Uh, actually, I wasn't a rat. I felt like I was uh, more of a, a slave being told what to do every single day, where to be, when to leave, when you can go home and see your family, uh, what to look like, haircut. So how it worked out was I heard this guy flipping land and doubling his money overnight. And I was like, there's no way it's that easy. And if it's even, if that guy's even, you know, getting half the success that he's saying on this podcast, I would be fine with like even one third of it, honestly. Uh, so I, I basically, went uh, and called my um, county treasurer and I was looking for the tax delinquent list and I started mailing the county treasurer. I'm sorry, let me just turn this. Uh, I'm getting all these notifications. I, I thought my do not disturb was on. So sorry, I lost okay. focus there. But I reached out to the tax collector. Some counties call it a tax collector. Some counties call it mm-hmm. a treasurer. And I was really looking for a list called the tax delinquent list. Um, I heard there was people on it that didn't pay their property taxes that might be interested in selling. So I got at this list and it was just ginormous and I didn't know what the heck I was doing, what I was looking at. But long story short, we figured out a way to put in all the ASP, APNs, the assessor parcel numbers into the county website to figure out what their mailing address, what the name was. And it took like weeks. And then finally, I hired a virtual assistant for $5 an hour off of upwork.com to help me parse this list or scrub this list or basically plug in all the numbers. Um, I showed her how to do it with a, with a screencast-o-matic. The first 15 videos are free. You can record a video with Zoom now. I showed her step-by-step and then I put it on a Word document and I said, call me when you've got about 15 of these done because I want to make sure you're not just wasting my $5 an hour because that was huge money back then. Um, so we got it done. We mailed a postcard that said, hey, my name is Brent. I'd like to buy your land. 
Call me, text me. If you're interested in an all-cash fair price offer, God bless you. If anybody wants a copy of that, I still use that postcard today. We've changed some things up, um, but they can go to thelandsharks.com forward slash postcard. Um, and they can start mailing landowners today with that. Anybody listening to this. Um, but that, that 687 postcards that went out, that got my phone ringing. And that first land deal was the guy's like, look, give me $285. It's yours. The land's not buildable. It's crappy. And I was like, well, let me go look at this. Is it okay if you give me like a week? So I drove about almost an hour to go look at it. I had no clue what I was looking at, but I was like, $285 for this land. It's looking at the Pike National Forest. I know it's not buildable because there's only one ingress, egress, and this, the fire department won't allow the city to build on it. But I was like, let me figure out what it's worth. So I started calling real estate offices. And guess what? A real estate agent said probably about 10, 10 grand. And then she made an offer to me. She called me back and made an offer to me for five grand that she would buy. And I was like, it's yours. Let's do the deal. <laughs> so I turned $285 into five grand within about a month of listening to that podcast. Wow. Wow. I'm taking this in for a second because now I'm very intrigued. So, okay. So you had, I'm going to back up for a second. This is awesome. So you had the VA go through this. How did you, of the incoming, you got your phone ringing. So the phone's ringing. Of the incoming, how do you start to kind of decipher which one of these makes sense? Because I would imagine it was, wasn't the only phone call that you got. Yeah. There must've been some where you're like, eh, no, I don't yeah. want to do that. What was some of that criteria that you were really looking for? Yeah, I had no clue what I was looking for. I was just like, who will sell me a piece of land? Um, and I got a bunch of phone calls really quickly. And the reason why was because <clears throat> this was on the uh, county held tax lien list. So basically tax lien investors weren't even paying the back taxes because the stuff was non-buildable, landlocked, just junky land. So no one really wanted it. So these people were calling me pretty quickly. So another one called and was like, listen, you know, I'll sell you the land for 500 bucks. And I was like, this seems a little sketchy. There's got to be a catch to this. Um, this one was landlocked. Um, so I didn't know what I was looking for. I was just willing to take action. I would buy anything or basically <laughs> get something under contract that I could find a buyer for. But uh, the second one was 500 bucks landlocked. And I didn't really know what it was worth again. I was like, well, what the heck? I'll put it out there for $5,000. Again, mm -hmm. I just made 5000 um, I really only made about 4700 net profit, but I gave the woman $500, got a quick claim deed, didn't do any title search or title insurance, which was stupid on my part. Like I know now, like not to do that kind of stuff. Um, but I put it on Craigslist that day, $500 down, 400 a month uh, for a total of what does that work out to like, I don't know, 10 months or 11 months plus the down payment. But the guy paid me off early literally paid me for almost like five or six payments and then paid me off. And it was at 0% interest. So I can't figure out why he did it. But um, that's the one that changed my life because I was getting $400 a month. I was basically got my money back out of the deal and I was profitable 30 days later. And that was paying my truck payment. I told my wife, I was like, Emily, we can keep doing this. Like if I do this like 10 more times, we are financially free. We, we cover all of our bills. Now that doesn't give us any extra. Mm-hmm. But I can leave the military and, and we'll be able to pay our mortgage. And the and the value of the value of that item to have your time back. Is that yeah. it's almost immeasurable for you to have that back. kind of freedom. It's it's unreal. So let me fast forward you. So take me through now. 
you've learned a few things as you've gone through here. What are the what are the mistakes that you kind of went through along the way? You you alluded to a little bit there of, of quick claiming that one and, and not doing that necessary back work. What are some of those other sort of, or trip falls that, that folks are making and mistakes they're making along the way? Yeah, um, I didn't know how to comp land. I didn't know how to figure out what the land was worth. Like mm-hmm. um, my I think it was my fifth deal. A bank called me and said, hey, I got your letter. What letter? <laughs> your postcard. <laughs> um, so he's like, here's the property. Um, I was like, he's like, what's your offer? And I was like, I don't know. Can I call you back? So I like took a day stressing out about this, trying to figure out. And I was like, I called him back and I was like, I think it's worth like a hundred thousand dollars. Maybe the land's worth about a hundred. It was 44 acres next to Shriver Air Force Base in Colorado mm-hmm. Springs. And I was like, it's maybe worth about a hundred. So I was like, I'm going to offer him $20,000. So 20, 40, 60, like a five X multiplier, you know, Warren Buffett does three X. So if he's doing three X and I do five, I'm guaranteed to win. Right. Yeah. So we went back and forth. They're like, no, 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 no. And a couple of weeks went by. And finally, he called me on a Friday afternoon. He goes, listen, if you want this land, you got today to make a decision. And it's $25,000. And I was like, okay, let me send you a purchase agreement. So I sent him an assignable purchase agreement. It's basically where I can get the land under contract and I can mm-hmm. sell it to a cash buyer. Because I didn't have 25 grand. It's like asking me to go get a loan for $2.5 million. Um, but I knew if I got it under contract for that little, I can go to work and get it sold. So if anybody needs a purchase agreement, go to landsharks.com forward slash contract. That's the exact one I used. I still use it today. It's assignable so I can sell it to a cash buyer. So that night I didn't sleep because <laughs> I was worried. <laughs> like the bank's going to sue me. You never mess with someone that's got more money than you. <laughs> like, because they can take you to the ground. Um, so I was like, the bank's going to sue me if I don't buy this thing. I don't have 25 grand. So I went out that next day and I got 33 yellow signs. The signs you see that says we buy houses, junk houses, blah, 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 any condition. I was writing on those signs, 44 acres, 38K phone number. And I put out all 33 of them. And I was starting to get phone calls. The first one was someone yelling at me, get the sign of my land. The second one, <laughs> the second one. I braced for impact and it's a guy that says, who are you? Where are you at? And I was like, uh, he's like, cause we just sold our ranch in Texas. We've been driving around for two weeks and I'm seeing these signs pop up as we're driving. And I was like, well, here, let's meet at the land. So we shook hands on the side of the road, 38 K that I had it under contract for 25,000. So what is that? 35, 36, 37, 38. That's three, or sorry, $13,000 assignment fee. And we shook hands. I'm happy. I slept that night. The next day, I got a higher offer for like 14000 more than what we just shook hands on. And I ended up calling one of my mentors. And uh, I was like, I don't know what to do. Like an extra 14000 plus the 13000 I'm already going to make. It'd be life-changing. Like I could retire and never buy the yacht and never look back <laughs> in my mind, right? Yeah. Um, because I'd never seen that much money at one time. You know, I never had that much money in my hands at one time. So my coach said, I think you know what you're supposed to do. And I was like, ah. So I called the Texan and I said, listen, I've got a $14,000 higher offer than what you and I agreed on. Um, are you willing to split 14000 with me? I'll give you seven grand for just meeting me on the side of the road. He goes, no, I want the land. And I was like, son <laughs> of a gun. Um, so I said, whatever. We shook on it. The deal's yours. So uh, we did the deal. And I mean, that amount of money now, looking back, it's like, I can't believe, you know, I was thinking about like, just, I don't know, going against my morals and my ethics to 
make that extra money, but um, it, it all worked out. So now we've built the seller financing up. I try and sell more of my financing now. I got you. So now let me fast forward you. Walk me through <laughs> when you're looking at a piece of land, what is this process now? So now yeah. it's, it's probably a more robust process. You're like, all right, I've, I've been through the ringer a few times. Yeah. I know what to do. What does this look like now? What, what's your criteria? What are you looking for? Yeah, we don't have enough time and enough tissues for me to tell you all the mistakes I make. Because, <laughs> you know, I didn't make – I started mista making mistakes after that, that bank deal. Mm. I started getting cocky. I stopped looking at the land. I started just, oh. like, thinking that I was the Midas touch and anything I touched turned to gold. And I almost lost my pants a few times. But luckily, the seller financing worked out. But let me tell you the process now. I now go in and I go on Redfin and I mm -hmm. look for the land that is selling wherever it's at in the country. And I go only in places that land is in demand. I've bought so much desert land. I've bought land in the middle of nowhere. I've literally gotten land for free probably like 10 times. But let me tell wow. you, that stuff is harder to sell. Mm -hmm. You know, I want, I want people to be beating down my door to buy it, especially when I, when I offer seller financing. So it's way easier mm -hmm. to go out there and get something that's in demand at a discount. What I mean by that is that if you reach out to enough people, like 99 out of 100 people are going to tell me to kiss my, no, they're going to, they're going to just <laughs> tell me where I can shove it. Um, but I'm sending these land offer letters. We call them the LOLs. Cause every time we get one back, like we're laughing out loud and ringing that victory bell and I won't blow anybody's eardrums again with that. But Hello. usually we're getting land at a smoking hot deal. And if anybody wants a copy of this, this LOL, I will give it to the retiring real estate investor podcast listeners. But we have been triple split testing this LOL against that postcard that I already talked about against like literally like things that look like checks. Um, and this LOL is working better than all of them. If you go to the landsharks.com forward slash LOL as in laugh out loud or land offer letter, um, it's yours, just download it. But what we do is we send out specific offer prices like to you, Brandon, like say you have a piece of land in Orlando, Florida. Brandon, I'll give you $58,332 for this piece of land. Just sign it, send it back to me. And you do that enough times, you're going to get a smoking hot deal. That land's worth 104000 We just got it under contract for 53000 You have an asset. <laughs> and there's ways to you know, do things with it. You can assign that contract. You can buy it and flip it for what it's worth. Or you can buy it and sell or finance it for what it's worth. Because Americans think on payments. Like mm -hmm. we, we just bought a piece of land for $40,000. And I didn't actually have that cash at the time because uh, it took us a little longer to buy that parcel of land and I spent it on somewhere else. So I had to borrow it from my mother-in-law, 40,000. We we're giving her 9% interest. We're going to pay her back in five years. So her payment is 800 a month. Mm -hmm. I probably just lost half the audience because they're like, I don't have $800 a month or a mother-in-law with 40 grand. Well, I'm just telling you how I did one deal. There's so many ways to do these deals. So many ways. Um, but basically I had a buyer lined up already for 90,000. So it's mm -hmm. a home run deal. And I told my mother-in-law that. Like he's going to put five thousand dollars down as soon as we close on the land. So I borrowed forty thousand from my in-laws, paying them uh, eight hundred a month, nine percent interest. My buyer, the day we closed on it, gave me five thousand down. I didn't send that to my mother-in-law. That went into my bank account, so I'm profitable immediately. Mm -hmm. And now my buyer is paying me nine hundred and forty-six dollars a month for thirteen and a half years. So mother-in-law's paid off at sixty months, and I'm keeping the difference that between mm -hmm. nine forty-six to eight hundred. So I keep about one hundred forty-six a month. So in five years, that's, that looks to be about 6,900 bucks. 
And then at the end of that five years, my mother-in-law's paid off. I got another eight and a half years. I'm going to collect nine forty-six a month. We're going to make $102,000 on that one land deal with none of my own money. And that's what I try and set up. Things like that. Every Everyone's day. happy. Um, you probably couldn't give that money back to, to your mother-in-law at that point. Like you're going to keep paying me 9%. Go deploy that again. Like uh, yeah. rinse and repeat, please. I'd like to see you yeah. do that again. Right. That's the goal. I hope that buyer, I hope that buyer um, pays me off in like four years, three or four mm-hmm. years, because on these loans, sometimes I do 30 year loans. Like the banks have set wow. these up where they're front and loaded interest only loans or should mm-hmm. say interest only front loaded interest, like a 30 year mortgage. Mm-hmm. If you look at your amortization schedule, it's that it's basically how your, your, your loan pays down for anybody that's like, what the heck's an amortization schedule? The first seven years is all pretty much interest. So I'm not, I don't think they're going to pay me for 30 years. They're more than likely going to sell it or build on it or get a bank loan, a construction loan and pay me off. But I get to collect all this interest up front. So if I get paid off, because I've had people ask me, well, did you do a prepayment penalty with this guy? Like, you're such an idiot. I was like, if he pays me off sooner than later, I get my $50,000 profit. Mother-in-law gets her money back and then we put it back to work because you're right. It's like uh, I have some other lenders that it's these payments are like, um, I, I don't want to say crack, but they're addicted to them. Yeah. Like they like getting these payments. And how do I get lenders? You know, I just ask a guy in the gym the other day. I was like, Hey, you know, we, we talk every day. I was like, you wouldn't know anybody that's interested in, you know, putting their money into uh, a land deal that they can earn 9% interest. Oh, and we secure it with the land and we usually buy it for about 50 cents on the dollar. So you're, you're in a pretty good place. If I get hit with a butt hit by a bus, you just take the land. It's not a bad deal, right? And and it's and it's extremely passive. Where's now? I'm, I'm sort of curious, like where and how, why do these opportunities exist? Like, so where's the competition yeah. to sort of squeeze off? Um, really, really, you're taking advantage of of a market inefficiency. Is the way that my brain kind of thinks about this a little bit, right? Like, yeah, there it isn't as smooth to find the right buyers and sellers of this of this property. Where's the competition to sort of squeeze that off a bit? It seems like it's yeah, not I'll tell you, there's there's hardly any competition because most people don't know how to make money with land. I was talking to a, a guy that's been in finance for like nine and a half years yesterday. He was so high and mighty. He goes, um, you know, land is a liability. I was like, okay, I'm glad you think that. <laughs> um, you got any land you want to sell? <laughs> so he goes, well, it's a liability because it costs you taxes um, and you don't get any money for it. There's no house to rent out. There's no storage unit. There's no mobile homes on it or there's no whatever. Um, and I was like, no, well, here's how I, the way I sell it or basically I get it for a discount and I turn around and sell it for what it's worth. And sometimes I get it at such a discount, my buyer's down payment pays the seller. So if mm-hmm. I'm buying it for 25,000, it's worth 70,000. I get a down payment for 25,000. The seller's taken care of. And I just created a $50,000 note on the bank. He goes, oh, you're just the middleman. I said, well, whatever. Call it what you want. Sure. <laughs> on the bank, on the middleman. Like, it, I don't even take ownership of this land. I just write a mortgage and a promissory note. And if this guy doesn't pay me, I am the first lien holder position. I will take it back via foreclosure. And he's not going to not pay me. He's got $25,000 into this thing. Yeah, it's it's yeah. I think the the perspective there was was kind of broken in that um, maybe just assume that you bought and held land, which maybe his presumption exactly. would be correct. But what what you're talking about here is is finding 
you probably at any given time, you probably hold very little land. If you hold land, you're looking to get rid of it. Yeah. <laughs> There's some I'm holding on to, right? Yeah, we've got a few parcels we're holding on to just because I don't want to let them go. I, I see something coming with it. Like we, I got land all over this country, hundreds of acres that I'm, I'm holding on to. But here's the thing. The other land deals pay for that. Mm -hmm. um, so, And it is inefficient because banks don't lend on this stuff. Mm -hmm. So when the seller goes to sell it, they either have to give it for a deeply discounted price. Basically, they give me a smoking hot deal or they will allow me to make payments to them. Like we're buying mm -hmm. some land in Florida. These two guys are letting us make payments for 15 years at 5% interest. And they gave me six months to find my buyer. Oh, wow. Okay. Like that. So talk, talk to me about there's some that you hold. Talk to me about that. Is that, <laughs> is that in the way of, yeah. it's kind of what I was alluding to when I get started. So here comes a selfish question. Yeah. Is that in the way of progress? Cause I yep. see it, I see it in my, I see it in my mm -hmm. little municipality here in Milwaukee and our surrounding suburbs, there's a path of progress and it's pretty clear to see where it is. Is yeah. that what you look at when you're, when you're looking to actually hold on to some of the land? Yeah. And I've got some parcels and I say, hold on to it, but we're just taking our time. Yeah. Like I've got five acres in Daytona beach um, oh. that I bought for $153,000 just recently wow. um, that the, there's something called public private partnership, mm -hmm. AKA the city wants to partner with you and create affordable housing. Um, so that one we're kind of holding on to, um, you know, there's some areas like I've got some hunting land, I got 58 acres. I'm, I'm just keeping that for my own selfish reasons. Um, and then like, I've got another piece I own with partners. Uh, we bought for $1.2 million and it's on a eight, well, yeah, eight lane highway. Uh, backs up to the city golf course in Colorado Springs. So that one we're probably going to build 34 townhomes on. Okay. So some of this, some of this land, there is effective use for it. Like the earlier oh, yeah. stories, like the first land that you said, they can't, first piece you bought, can't build on it. That what's, what's the effective use for, for some of those pieces that um, you really can't do that development on? What, why do people yeah. actually want the land at all? So many things. I'll tell you. So the first parcel there was two non-buildable lots that the realtor speculated. Um, she ended up selling for like 15,000 later on. She bought them for mm -hmm. me for five, sold them for 15. I think they're selling for about $20,000 right now. Those lots, there's all, none of them are buildable yet. They still have, mm -hmm. literally it was because of the railroad tracks. The city's not allowing a, a road across the railroad tracks. Um, number two, that second land deal, it was just hunting land. It was five acres surrounded by state park and mm -hmm. The guy just wanted a place that he can go sit in a deer stand or a tree stand and watch the turkeys and go hunting. Um, I bought a lot of land in Colorado Springs. Like a, I shouldn't say a lot, like nine parcels that were just under that 5,000 square foot mark. And in El Paso County, Colorado, you need 5,000 square foot uh, to build if you're in the city. And if you're um, outside of away from um, sewer and water, you need at least an acre to build because they won't allow you to have a septic system. So I would buy stuff like that up like and sell it to like a one, I sold it to a one, one parcel to a, a, a contractor. He just needed a place to park his vehicles. Oh. Another guy just wanted to own more land next to him. Like uh, the neighbors, the neighbors will buy this stuff most of the time. So there's all sorts of reasons you mentioned, you mentioned there are a lot of, you mentioned or referred to some local codes about what you can and can't do with land that, Seems like it would be extremely important for 
the inspiring land investor to understand the local laws of where they're potentially buying land. Is that correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. But here's the thing, like so many people will go and try and figure out all those codes out. Mm -hmm. um, but I like to keep revenue in the first position. I already talked to you a little bit about like, you know, how I go in areas where there's demand. Say every, everything in the area is selling for $15,000 mm -hmm. and they're all 10,000 square foot parcels, really small parcels of land, buildable lots basically is what I call those. And I'm offering 5,000 for every single one of them, everything in the whole entire neighborhood. They're all selling for 15,000. I'm offering for 5,000. Eventually you're going to get someone that accepts that offer. And a lot of people are like, well, why would someone ever take such a discounted price like that? Well, why do people take Rolexes to pawn shops? Like it happens. There's so many, all we are is a pawn shop for land really. And there's pawn shops on like every corner in Florida, <laughs> but, uh, Eventually, someone's going to sign that offer and say, yeah, I'll sell you this $15,000 lot for $5,000. And that's, that's how it goes. And here's the thing. Now that I've gotten that land under contract, I'm really going to deep dive that one particular parcel. You know, is there any utilities close by? Is it big enough to build on? Is there road frontage? Or is it landlocked? Like that's when I go, go and do that due diligence. But I don't want to waste my time until I've got someone that says, hey, I'll sell you this thing at a discount. And most landowners are so unattached. They're not emotionally attached to it like they are the house they raise their family in. Or they're aggravated because they're behind on taxes. They've been paying taxes for 20 years and they never did anything. Or, you know, life happened for them. Like they bought that land in Colorado 20 years ago. They were going to build a cabin on it. And they had babies. And those babies had babies. And now they're paying for those babies' babies' college. Like, and one passes away. Like, you know, that happens. Yeah, so a variety of reasons why people may be in a position where they need to do a deal that's, to us, maybe suboptimal compared to the market. But that's very interesting how you describe that. So it's really a top-down process first. Where is their demand? Where where do you see, this is probably a transaction volume game too, where do you see land trading? Where is that price at? Can I acquire something for a discount? And then, as you mentioned, you start going through that diligence on you know what are those local codes because you might find something in there that's even more beneficial beyond what you see in the discount correct because think about it that way exactly. i may see something in the code like oh man i didn't know you yes. could do this with that land and i didn't know um the the city wanted to partner until i bought the five acres in daytona beach yes. i just knew that i could relist that land in daytona beach because I noticed on, I only had one comp to work off of mm. a 0.88 acre, not even one acre parcel sold for 240,000 and I had five acres. So it was a no brainer. But <laughs> if I got five acres for 150,000, I could probably sell the whole thing for 240,000. So I went off that lowest comp and I just want to kind of repeat or re say what I was saying about those, um, the, the husband and wife that bought the land in Colorado and they had babies and then the babies had babies yeah. and they pay for college and then one passes away. I meant the husband and wife, not the babies. Um, like, you know, like, cause they get old and it's yeah. like, it never happened. It yep. was like that, 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 uh, beautiful Disney, um, video called up. Yeah. You know, yeah. They, they put all that money in a jar and they kept having to break that jar and they never lived their dreams. Um, and it happens so much. Yep. And they need the so, money and it, and it's, and it's a helpful item that someone is there to transact with them. Right. And we find the situation where where unfortunately they're not. How should I think about this? Most of our investors listening have done multifamily or they've done single family and duplex. 
How does this differ for their perspective in investing? How should they change their mindset? Yeah, I'll tell you, um, I own a bunch of houses and doors. Um, and I don't, I don't really have a positive income. I'm not profitable on any of them as well, I'll say, because there's always something that breaks. There's always a sewer line or a furnace or gutters or foundation issues. There's always something to repair. One day, maybe this property will be paid off. But the reason why I own these is because in land, I don't have anything to depreciate or cost segregate. So about, you know, 35 cents on every dollar I make goes to the IRS unless I use uh, something that they've written in the tax code to provide housing that I can depreciate these houses. And why does the government allow us to depreciate buildings? Because they're like apples. When they hit the ground, they rot or something eats them. So you got mm -hmm. about what, 27 and a half years to depreciate this house. So I do cost mm -hmm. segregation and it really just kind of pushes my tax bill down the road. And I'm going to have to either invest in bigger properties, but I'm taking one cash flowing asset, which is my land payments that come in and buying another cash flowing asset. That way I get the tax benefits. Um, and how it differs is nothing ever breaks on my land. Nothing. I mean, I don't get calls saying, you know, the, the, uh, the toilets backed up or your, your roof's leaking because there's nothing on it. I mean, no, most of the time there's not even a culvert, you know, <laughs> you know, and if there's a fence or anything on it, like that's their problem because they're buying it. Um, now, do they ever improve it? Yeah, they improve it. Prices go up. So um, I, it's consistent, steady cash flow. And what's a, amazing is all the properties I've purchased uh, for land, I'm usually profitable immediately, like that $40,000 land deal I bought. Mm -hmm. And forever, my buildings, like my office building we bought, I bought an office building for $160,000 in Colorado mm -hmm. Springs, enterprise zone, all these tax benefits. And we put almost 200,000 in it. So do the math, 360,000. And I'm mm -hmm. like, oh my God, I need to get some money back out of this thing. I was going to do the cash out refi. Yep. Well, I was the tenant and I wasn't paying a lease. So basically the bank only gave me about half of what I had into it. Yeah. So I was like stuck. So it's like, I still have all this money sitting in the office building and then COVID happened and we're, <laughs> no one was even using it. Um, but you know, that's the differ, you know, you're profitable immediately and forever and there's no unexpected expenses. Yeah. You sort of have, I, I see it. Yeah. I see a big difference here and you sort of have a, a, a beginning, a beginning, middle and end to the deal on the land side seems to happen all at once. And you're like, okay, here's, here's my net, here's my net profit done stamp next one. Right. And, and your point's very valid. I think a lot of folks, a lot of our real estate zealot friends would would be hard pressed to come on here and, and say, yeah, in some of our properties, I'm not making a lot of money or, or no money at all. But when we dig into it, we see it too. We see the lack of cash flow on, on some of these properties. Um, is well, very I can evident. tell you, I mean, we have a 19 unit apartment complex that we're, um, so I have a, a partner in this and we have a management company. My partner is the management company. We're about to refinance because uh, we have to, because it's a construction loan. Um, we've renovated it, stabilized it, 19 units rented out. But now the interest rates are like 6 to 8%. We're going to have to come up with almost $1,200 a month just to pay the mortgage with 19 tenants. I mean, the, we've got a lot of equity. Like the place is worth like, suppose, and I'm doing air quotes here, like 3.8 apparently. 3.8 million and our loan is 2.1. So it's like, maybe we do sell it, mm -hmm. <laughs> get out, like, like 
so it's like, and that took almost four years to renovate this building. Four years. It's hard. It must be hard for you in this position though, because I'm I'm trying to think about this from from your perspective. Is you still have a big tax bill there that those properties are helping to offset. So that's sort yes. of like part of the yes. equation of this, right? Of like, okay, yeah. well, in a vacuum, I'd prefer not to maybe do that from an economic perspective. But when I look at my whole picture, like, man, how much tax is that reducing for you? Do you think about it that way in terms of that offset and think about the returns Absolutely. that way? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I call those guys from time to time and say, hey, what money can I put in? Because I need to increase my K-1. Because um, every year about September, I got to talk to my CPA and figure out what the projected tax bill is. And we still pay every month into it. Mm -hmm. We pay every month to the IRS. But uh, and I sometimes I, I do so well, we, we buy enough buildings or properties, cash flowing properties where I can get that IRS to send me a check back. There you um, go. Which is my goal. Um, but yeah, like we just picked up a house um, fully renovated the other day, uh, subject to existing financing at the top of the market. Um, and it's going to cash flow about 300 a month, which I don't care about that. I'm happy that it's going to cover the mortgage. But what I do care is it's going to reduce my tax burden by about $40 because I'm going to do something called cost segregation. Mm -hmm. And I wrote a $1,000 check to buy the house. I just got it for closing costs. Nice. It was nice. actually like 1483 or something like that. Fascinating. Um, I have three more questions. I have one more question about maybe more. I have one more question about the land and thinking about some of the liability maybe associated with it. The only money that you're really putting out on that is taxes for sure. The other thing that walked through my mind because I like to think of the worst thing that can happen and possible all the time. Oh, you're one of those people. <laughs> oh, totally. But I get over it, right? Like I fl I'll flush it and then I'll go, oh no, this is great. Um what about environmentals? Yeah. No, I'm not doing that. Um, because I'm only buying residential land. Mm -hmm. Now, do I come across commercial and industrial deals? Yes. Um, I'm not, I'm not doing them, but if there's any hint, Interesting. um, that there's anything wrong with the land and, and remember Brandon, I'm buying it like 50 cents on the dollar. Mm -hmm. So I'm getting such a good discount. Like for instance, that, that deal I was talking about in Florida, that's uh seven acres of industrial land. Um, and we're getting it at about 50 cents on the dollar. We are, we just got an offer today actually for 200 grand. Um, it's cash. I don't know if we're going to take it cause we were looking for the financing and we're buying it for 159, but we're not doing that. Um, if there's any hint of garbage or anything like that, or, or any possibility that there's, um, environmental issues, I just walk, Gotcha. walk from the deal. Gotcha. Yeah. You, you mitigate a little bit that so staying away from the commercial is it sounds like it's the easiest way to do that stay away from some environmental issues yeah and if the you. land's not been touched like there's trees on it unless someone went out there with 50 gallon drums and just dumped on it <laughs> yeah which could happen good right <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, but you know there wasn't um you know it wasn't a gas station here or a long oh, no. before spewing all this stuff in the ground you know that wasn't happening i've had the opportunity to buy a couple gas stations and i don't even I just tell no interest. <laughs> again, 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 sort the environmentals on it. Talk to me about um, about your team. You referred to we a few times during our conversation, and you mentioned yeah. the VA. It sounds like there is a group of folks that you probably built around this business to help you out. Talk about that. I have uh, one VA, which actually she's uh, about to step down. She's gonna she's taking another opportunity, um, and then I have one executive assistant one in-house accountant and one um, acquisition manager. That's it. 
That's it. And me. Wow. Okay. So it's lean. Yeah. So we had about 15 people at one time. Wow. And I was doing deals just to pay salaries. And I was like, why mm-hmm. am I doing all this? Um, so we rented out our office. No one was even coming to it. We rented out our office, canceled like 19 phone lines because I was just, it was almost like, I think the reason why most businesses fail is because complexity. So it's getting too complex. Um, and when you have a few slow months and what, when did my slow months happen is when they increased the interest rates back last July. So we had a couple months, it's like crickets. And I was like, Oh my God, the bills are coming in faster than the money. Like, so as money comes in, we increase our bills. It's amazing. Like, Oh, we need this extra website. We need this extra phone line. We need this, this company car. And it's this beautiful office. Oh, what kind of coffee is that? Snacks, uh, cleaning, like all these things. And it's before we know, we're spending 50 grand a month. And then we're only bringing in 20 grand a month. I think they refer to it as, I don't know what you'd call it in business, but in your personal life, it's lifestyle creep. And so what they oh, refer to it yeah. as, and yeah, it's a real thing, isn't it? I guess it happens on a business side too. I think they call it scaling in a business. Cause everyone's like, how do you scale this? And I was like, well, are you sure you want to scale? Like, what are you looking for? I was not trying to be a, become a multimillionaire. Mm-hmm. I was really just trying to get my time back in the military. And then something called Parkinson's law happened uh, because I now had all this. I haven't had a real job since 2018. Amen. So I went from working like 13 hours a day for the military to getting out to having all this time. So I was like, oh, I, need to, I need to hire more people. I need to send more letters. I need to flip houses. We were flipping. I started flipping like houses too. I was flipping seven houses at one time. And then we moved and I was doing it virtually. Ridiculous. Jeez. I was just trying to like, it was my ego. My grandma used to say, you're too big for your bridges. <laughs> you make a good point. I think it is why, why businesses fail. And there is this kind of growth mindset, quote unquote, and I'm, I'm going to scale this and make it as big as possible. And, you know, yeah, that is probably, that is probably a great point of if you are going to go after that, you better find a way to work. The scaling has to be efficient. And it sounds like you can get to a place here in this business where scaling isn't really efficient, to say the least. It's sort of what I'm hearing. It's very interesting. What are your goals now then? So if it's, sounds like you're not going to take over the world. So we'll check that off the list, which is fine, right? Um, what What are your big goals now? What are you shooting for? Yeah. I mean, so our goal, so we took off like uh, most of the month of March. I mentioned that we were in Wisconsin. That was one of the weeks we're, um, we took off, I took off three weeks in March and then I still, like I had a lot of work that fourth week in March from taking off those three weeks. And then we, we were, are planning to go at the end of the month to Costa Rica for six weeks. Oh, nice. Um, so I'm just trying to take many vacations like they talked about in the four hour work week, Mm -hmm. um, retire, you know, the goal is to retire, but I'm not going to let my business go. I enjoy coaching. Um, so it's to retire as well as, you know, bringing in. So my goal is I'm trying to add an additional $500 per month coming in. So every time I sell a land deal, so to bring in about 500 a month, I pretty much have to sell anywhere, anywhere between one to two land deals. So they're averaging about, you know, $222 a month. Um, so I want to add an additional $500 a month for the next 12 months to keep that machine growing as far as the, the land notes, but you know, one or two a month, that's not, that's not a tremendous amount of, of closings to happen to mm-hmm. where 
you know, when I was on that uh, cycle, we were having to close like six or seven deals a month just to support the team. Wow. Wow. Then you're back where you started. You're really working for someone else at that point. You're sort I was. Of, you're sort of reverse working, working for, for your team, right? Yeah, I was. I was freaking out. I was like tired of being the babysitter and we started selling <laughs> land. We double sold a couple parcels and it's oh. embarrassing when you got to call these buyers and give them their money back. <laughs> Yikes. So it happened. Well, that's awesome. So you're designing, you're designing the business to fit around your lifestyle, not the other way around, which is probably the whole point, the whole point to start with. I love it, Brett. This has been good. We can probably exactly. go for, we can probably go forever. What, what didn't I ask you? What else do you want to share with, with the audience. Yeah, I'd say what to share with the audience is take action. You know, if you want to retire from real estate as a real estate investor, you got to do what real estate investors do, and that's take action. You know, there's all the books are out there, all the podcasts are out there. There's so much gold on the Retiring Real Estate Investor podcast, but you need to take the time to actually write down the gold nuggets you hear. It could be one gold nugget one thing you're going to implement today and do it immediately. And if you can't do it right now, then you need to schedule the time within 24 hours. Like maybe it's tomorrow morning. You're going to get up an hour earlier, just one hour earlier. You know what I used to do when I was in the military, <clears throat> I was working 12, 13 hours a day just for the military. And I had a newborn baby uh -oh. at home. I would get up at 4 a.m. every single morning for two hours. I would work on my business. Or actually, I needed to be on base by six. So I really only had about an hour and a half to work on my business. I did that every single day. And then my lunch breaks, I would smash a sandwich really quick and work for like 30 minutes on the business and then get home. I'd be exhausted. Some nights I would maybe do it for another 30 minutes, but I would die at the end of the day, basically. And it doesn't take, like people underestimate what they can do in one year. I'm sorry, they, they underestimate, overestimate. I heard this from Tony Robbins. They overestimate what they can do in one year and underestimate what they can do in a decade. No. Oh. That's interesting. And it all starts on today, action now, and then action, action tomorrow. It's a cumulative effect. Small wins every day. What's happening? Every little day. stuff. Little stuff. Yeah. We'll encourage the listeners to do that. Take the little actions. If that's the biggest thing that, that I've learned from listening to you today is you weren't afraid to learn about something, take some action, and it's okay to make some mistakes but even in even when you were making some of those mistakes, you were still conscious of, I'm not going to blow myself up to make that mistake, right? It's it's going to be, if it's wrong, if I'm wrong, I'm going to be small wrong and learn something, and then as I learn, then I can take take on bigger risk. And now you buy, instead of buying a $500 piece of land, you're buying 100,000 plus plot in in Daytona. You had to work your way to it, but you weren't afraid to take the action to get there. Yeah, that's, absolutely. that's my and big I takeaway. think you know so many people are worried about what could happen if I take this step or make this decision or buy this house or buy this parcel of land or start this business. But I like to do the reverse reverse risk process is what if I don't take the step? What if I didn't buy that first $285 land deal? What if I didn't call that realtor because I was afraid she would hang up on me? What would I be doing? I would still be in the military probably on my fourth or fifth deployment. God willing, mm -hmm. um, hopefully, you know, I could be divorced with three kids out there living all over the, all, like me on the other side of the world. So I think so many people are worried about what can happen if they take that step or take that first step, because there's like, there's a reason why our headlights only go out 250 feet. 
because we only need to see that far and we can't see around corners, but we'll see once we get around the corner. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow well, until tomorrow comes. So many people are worried about what's going to happen if they take it. But what happens if you don't take it? You work that nine to five for another 20 years, build someone else's company and have nothing to show for it. And you're old. <laughs> <laughs> what will happen is nothing. That's what will happen if you don't take, if you don't take action. Absolutely zero. <laughs> that we know for that we know for sure. Yeah. Brett, this has been awesome. So where's the best place for our listeners to find and learn more about you? I think you asked where's the best place for people to reach me. You cut out of me there a little bit. Um, you know, I do I put out videos every day on Instagram and TikTok and um YouTube. Brent L as in land, Brent L Bowers one. Uh you can find me or you know, heck if you want to if you need some help, you're you're wanting to get started in land investing or you want to do some deals together, you got some money to lend it and you want to earn 9% secured by real estate, call me 863-801-6959 or just hit me up on any of those uh, those social media channels. That's awesome. I love it. Brett, thank you so much for coming on. This has been awesome. God bless, Brandon. Thank you.